Disgraced Lieutenant General Michael Flynn testifies today before the grand jury down in Georgia looking into Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. The investigation is led by Fannie Willis. She's the Fulton County District Attorney. Willis says she is planning to ask General Flynn about his recommendations that he made back in December of 2020, where he told Trump to declare martial law, seize the ballots, and rerun the elections in the states where he lost. General Flynn currently travels around America converting Republicans into disciples of both QAnon and Jesus. He was found guilty of lying to the FBI, and Trump pardoned him. A jury begins deliberating on the fate of Stuart Rhodes. He's the founder of the Oath Keepers. He is charged with seditious conspiracy in the events leading up to the January 6th insurrection. Stuart Rhodes is a Yale Law School graduate, and he is accused by federal prosecutors of conspiring to prevent a peaceful transfer of presidential power. During the trial, Rhodes has been heard on tape planning to hang Nancy Pelosi. Rhodes allegedly stored a cache of military-grade weapons in a hotel room near the Capitol on January 6, while waiting for President Donald Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act that day. Rhodes was expecting to be deputized by the Trump administration to restore order in the Capitol. That's what his defense attorneys claim. The jury will spend all today deliberating. If they don't reach a decision today, they are scheduled to reconvene after Thanksgiving. Twitter. Well, I I just heard from Captain Musk, and he has assured passengers that the USS tweet is unsinkable. Maybe another week? I don't know. Howie Klein says it's kind of like a utility. It almost can't go out of business. We'll see. Elon Musk over the weekend polled users and they voted for Donald Trump's return to Twitter. The Russian bots have spoken. So now that the Twitterverse has spoken on Donald Trump, any chance we can take a poll on whether or not to get rid of Elon Musk? Something to consider. Trump says he will not return to Twitter. So here's a suggestion. Maybe Elon should buy Truth Social. That's Donald Trump's social media platform, Truth Social. Elon should buy Truth Social and merge it into Twitter. Call it Truther. Call it Truther because truthers are pretty much going to be the only ones left on either one of those two platforms. Get used to these three names, Jim Jordan, James Comer, and Hunter Biden. Say it with me. Jim Jordan, James Comer, and Hunter Biden. Jim Jordan will be the new chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. James Comer is the new chairman of the House Oversight Committee. And Hunter Biden is going to be spending a lot of time up there on Capitol Hill talking about his laptop. That is the Republican agenda. That is the only thing the Republicans are planning for the next two years. So 
What I think Joe Biden should do is pardon his son, Hunter. If Joe Biden really wants to shut down the GOP's entire agenda for the next two years, he should issue a blanket pardon for his son, Hunter, immediately. The GOP would have nothing to do for the next two years. Zero. And would you blame Joe Biden for pardoning his son? It's his son. The kid is an addict. Yes, he messed up. Did he do some screwy things? Yes. Was it illegal? Probably. Can you prove it in court? After six years of Donald Trump, I don't think you can prove anything in court. Pardon your son, Joe. Did, did Hunter do a little influence peddling? Yeah. And did money go to the big guy, Joe Biden? Probably, maybe. Who knows? Hunter Biden, and I'm not trying to be cruel here, is a crackhead. He's a crack addict. Do you really think any court would trust what they find inside the laptop of a crackhead? If you've seen the pictures of Hunter when he's gone on these binges, uh, he was so far gone with hookers and drugs. He was filming porn. You know, instead of investigating Hunter, Republicans should be running him to replace Madison Cawthorn. I feel bad for Hunter Biden. And the more I read about him, the sadder I get for him. As some of you know, I got a taste earlier this year of what it's like to be a, a political pawn when I was arrested this summer in Washington, D.C. These people don't care whose lives they destroy or what kind of legal fees people have to rack up. The sad thing about Hunter Biden is none of this would be happening to him right now if his father never ran for president. It actually calls Joe Biden's judgment into question. Knowing that your son was this troubled, knowing that he on crack was saying things and blaming you for things may not have been the best idea to run for president. Over the weekend, Hunter's daughter got married at the White House. The president delivered a toast that made everyone weep uncontrollably because he kept calling the bride Tiffany Trump. Try to explain Tiffany's wedding was in Mar-a-Lago a week earlier. Yesterday, Hunter was back at the White House with his kids watching his dad, Joe, pardon the turkeys for Thanksgiving. I was watching it, and that's, while I was watching it, I thought the turkey he should be pardoning is that idiot kid of his. Pardon Hunter. Is this how anyone wants to spend the next two years investigating Hunter Biden? We know that articles of impeachment will be introduced to get even for the two impeachments of Trump. Meanwhile, here in America, homelessness will get worse, the number of evictions will escalate, and the minimum wage won't get raised while the planet continues to heat up. Pardon your son. Spare us the travails. And this is different from Trump's kids. Trump's children have zero redeeming qualities. Uh, but we're, unless Joe pardons his son, this is pretty much what you get when Republicans are in power. They have no agenda. They don't have a plan to fight inflation or to save the economy. All they have is a plan to punish people.
They use their power to punish, to impeach, because it slows government down to a crawl, which is what the people in charge of the Republican Party, the richest 1%, that's what they want. They just want distractions. They don't want to help anybody. So punish Hunter Biden for two years and the rich will get richer. Geraldo Rivera over the weekend said Joe Biden should pardon Donald Trump for the good of the nation. He said Biden should do it for the same reason Gerald Ford pardoned Nixon, for the good of the nation. Yeah, Biden should pardon Trump for the good of the nation. It sounds like something that would make perfect sense to a third grader, which is exactly why Geraldo Rivera works for Fox News. How was pardoning Nixon good for the country? It was good for Nixon. It was good for all the people he would have taken down with him if the Watergate prosecutor went after him and prosecuted. Pardoning Nixon wasn't good for the country. However, in Nixon's defense, he was disgraced. He had the decency to resign. Granted, he was going to be impeached, but there was no guarantee he was going to get removed from office. But Nixon, as indecent as he was, he did quit for the good of the country. He didn't want to drag us through two more years of Watergate. That was back when our government and presidents had things to do besides being impeached and going on trial. They were passing legislation, the Clean Water Act, the EPA. Nixon was doing that, and he was combating inflation by instituting price freezes. That was back then when Washington got things done. Uh, pardoning Nixon was bad for the country. It told future presidents they're above the law. Now, the Kennedy assassination, today is November 22nd, which means the Kennedy assassination was 59 years ago today. And it is no coincidence Gerald Ford sat on the Warren Commission. Gerald Ford, who pardoned Nixon, also sat on the Warren Commission. The Warren Commission investigated the Kennedy assassination and pretty much issued a blanket pardon to the CIA, the FBI, the mafia, Cuba, Russia, and everybody. Even, you know, they didn't need to pardon Lee Harvey Oswald. He was dead already, but he he pretty much did it according to the Warren Commission. Everybody else got a pardon. And that's exactly why Nixon made Ford his vice president after Agnew had to resign. They knew from the Warren Commission that Gerald Ford would play ball. He knew when to keep a lid on something. So Geraldo Rivera says, Biden should pardon Trump. Forget pardoning Trump. Nobody wants to see that. It's not how this movie ends. I see Trump in Mar-a-Lago at the top of his stairs going over the banister in a fog of gunpowder like Tony Montana at the end of Scarface. A pardon for Trump? That's not how he wants this to end. Plus, if you pardon Trump and his kids, it just empowers them to commit even more crimes. Roger Stone was pardoned by Trump. Steve Bannon was pardoned by Trump. Now they need new pardons. 
And it's the same thing with Trump. You pardon Trump, he'll need a pardon the next day. These people are addicts. They're addicted to pardons. Over the weekend, I read of this thing called mass shooting, a mass shooting. It was in Colorado Springs. I guess I've been living under a rock. I had no idea what this term mass shooting meant. Have you heard of the term mass shooting? I looked it up. I had no idea what mass shooting meant. Apparently, a mass shooting is when a white male, usually 21 years or younger, it's when a white male buys this thing, and I hope I'm pronouncing it properly. My apologies if I get it wrong. Uh, he buys uh, an assault weapon, assault weapon, and they go into a school or a gay nightclub with these assault weapons. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Which, and you're not going to believe this, these assault weapons can fire something like 30 rounds in under a minute, and they end up killing lots and lots of people. I mean, these are the type of weapons used by the military. I didn't know this, but apparently it's very easy in America for anyone to buy an assault weapon. Again, it's called a mass shooting. I had to look this up. It's a neologism, a neologism, neologism, new word, I guess. Uh, apparently, this is not the first time something like this has happened here in America. Apparently, there's been another mass shooting. So I would like all my listeners to look into this. Look into the words mass shooting. It's two words, not one. It's called a mass shooting. I'm not trying to be an alarmist here, but we probably should familiarize ourselves with this concept because, you know, I can see something like this eventually getting out of hand. You know, like every couple of years... Something like this might happen again. It seems like we should probably not allow Americans to buy these, and I hope I'm pronouncing it properly, an assault weapon. Seems to me, just to be on the safe side, only soldiers should be allowed to carry assault weapons during wartime. You should look into it. It's called a mass shooting, and they use this thing called assault weapons. Today is the 59th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. By 1968, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and Malcolm X had also been assassinated. And you know what they talked about in 1968? Gun control. Handguns. They talked about outlawing handguns. Can you imagine how quaint a notion that is, getting rid of handguns? Since 1968, more than a million Americans have died from guns. And the idea of gun control? Forget it. That's not even up for discussion anymore. The guns have gotten more powerful, more deadly. And these imbeciles, these gun crackpots, talk about their Second Amendment rights, their liberties. Nobody talked about this in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. Around the late 90s, they started talking about their liberties when it came to gun rights. The Second Amendment doesn't guarantee the right to bear arms. Antonin Scalia guarantees the right to bear arms. He wrote the Heller decision, which pretty much opened the floodgates for everybody to buy a gun. 
It was decided back in June of 2008, and the majority opinion was written by Antonin Scalia, who ironically died on a hunting trip. <laughs> the Heller decision made gun ownership suddenly a liberty, like freedom of speech. The Heller decision, written by Scalia, specifically said the Second Amendment guaranteed every American the right to own a gun. And where did Antonin Scalia get this from? His ass. He just pulled it out of his ass. It all comes down to how Antonin Scalia decided to read the Second Amendment. I'm going to read you the Second Amendment. It's never been clear. The Heller decision is this new front for the Second Amendment that claims the Second Amendment was written very clearly. It never was. This is what the Second Amendment says. A well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. That is not a complete sentence. It's missing a, a noun and a transitive verb. A well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. It's an incomplete sentence. It's, it's bad grammatically. Uh, that's why for decades, if not centuries, nobody looked at the Second Amendment and believed it guaranteed everyone the right to carry guns. Some people, like me, interpret the Second Amendment to mean only members of a militia can carry weapons. See, back when that was written, we didn't have a full standing army. I don't think they anticipated a full standing army back then. And when they needed people to fight the Native Americans or put down a disturbance, they form militias to go off and handle these disturbances. And that's why they wanted Americans to have muskets. So go read the Second Amendment. Lots of commas, lots of clauses in the Second Amendment. Now go read the Heller decision. This is used by all the gun nuts. This is the, our liberty. You know, the right to carry an Uzi to the grocery store is enshrined in our Constitution. It is not. It is not. But the Heller decision leads these idiots to believe it is. Read the Heller decision. Scalia spends pages dissecting the sentences to prove the original intent. Right? He, he dissects the sentences to pr prove that the original intent of our founding fathers was everybody should own a gun. That's Scalia's reading of the Second Amendment. Now, here is what he wrote, okay? This is the Heller decision. You think the Second Amendment is opaque? This is what Scalia wrote to interpret an equally opaque amendment. He offers up some writing in the Heller decision that is just as indecipherable. Quote, the amendment's prefatory clause announces a purpose, but does not limit or expand the scope of the second part, 
the operative clause. The operative clause's text and history demonstrate that it connotes an individual right to keep and bear arms. The prefatory clause comports with the court's interpretation of the operative clause. It goes on for pages like that. From Scalia's interpretation of prefatory clauses and operative clauses in the Second Amendment, Second Amendment, suddenly we all have the right to keep an AR-15. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Obviously, when it comes to our guns, the Founding Fathers had no idea what they wanted since they were way too busy smoking the hemp our Constitution was written on. Scalia can't write a clear sentence, and neither could our Founding Fathers, so everybody has to die. That is our current Supreme Court. They want us to own guns. Clarence Thomas wants the people in New York City to be able to carry guns. And he actually believes, he wrote back in June, that the Constitution protects that Colorado shooter's right to buy an assault weapon, but it doesn't protect the right of the people he murdered to get married. These are some really diseased minds, and they're playing with our lives. People got killed, as you know, over the weekend. A gunman shot five people to death and injured 18 inside an LGBTQ nightclub Saturday in Colorado Springs, Colorado. One of the performances at that club that night featured uh, drag queens. They had a drag show. Drag shows, drag queens. You know, in the lead up to these midterms, Republicans not only railed against, but promised to outlaw drag shows and drag queens. I'm not making this up. Republicans are trying to outlaw drag queens. Again, assault weapons, perfectly fine. You can buy an assault weapon at a gun show. It's perfectly legal. Not at a drag gun show. You know, if, if there are men in wigs trying to sell you an assault weapon, shut it down. This is where we're at with the GOP. Drag queens, drag shows. They're outlawing men dressing like women. Monty Python, Mrs. Doubtfire, Medea, Some Like It Hot, J. Edgar Hoover on a Saturday night. I'm not making this up. They want it to be a criminal act when a man dresses up like a woman because they're afraid children might see them. Like we have nothing else to worry about. The day after the midterms, Republicans in Tennessee introduce SB3, a law that would make it a crime to perform a drag show in public where children might see it. In Texas, Attorney General Ken Paxton, Republican, repeatedly said this year, any drag queen whose show is witnessed by a child should be arrested. In Texas, two bills have been introduced in the state legislature that would pretty much make it a crime for a transgender woman or a drag queen to sing the national anthem at a baseball game. So... 
that shooting in Colorado Springs is weather. It's a weather event that comes from the anti-LGBTQ climate Republicans have created. The alleged shooter taken into custody is Anderson Lee Aldridge. His mother is the daughter of California Assembly member Randy Volpel, who recently lost re-election. Assembly member Vopel identifies as a MAGA Republican, who three days after January 6 wrote an opinion piece in the San Diego Union Tribune in which, referring to the storming of the Capitol, he wrote, quote, This is Lexington and Concord. First shots fired against tyranny. The shooter's grandfather went on to write, Tyranny will follow in the aftermath of the Biden swear-in on January 20th. See, it's all connected. Is it any surprise that the grandson of one of these MAGA lunatics would allegedly do something like this? You know, the Republican Party spent all of 2022 demonizing drag shows, drag queens, while fetishizing assault weapons. What happened in Colorado Springs over the weekend was inevitable. Do you remember Ronnie Jackson, Congressman Ronnie Jackson? I talk about him. He's a doctor. He was Donald Trump's personal physician in the White House. And Trump loved him because Ronnie would lie about Donald Trump's health. He would add a couple of inches to his height so Donald wouldn't look like he's obese on paper. Trump loved him and named him to head the Veterans Administration but when that happens, they investigate you, and they found some things out about Ronnie Jackson that weren't so nice. Abusive towards women, he drank too much, handed out uppers and downers to everybody in the White House, and he was forced to resign. And when you're forced to resign, what do you do? You go back to Texas and run for Congress as a Republican. He ran for re-election this year railing against the drag queens. This is... One of his many tweets, I've read them uh, throughout the year. This was his latest. I just learned there will be a drag show coming to Amarillo, Texas, where young children will be allowed and encouraged to attend. This is sick. Children should not be allowed to attend events like this. This needs to be shut down immediately. Here is uh, Dr. Ronnie Jackson earlier this year with, count them, two, two assault weapons and a message for Joe Biden. Hey, everybody, this is Congressman Ronnie Jackson from the great state of Texas. I have a message for the Biden administration. If you're thinking about taking our ARs, you can start here in Texas. On behalf of all the law-abiding gun owners in the state of Texas, I just want to say, come and get it. That is, that is a, a, a doctor, a United States congressman, homophobic, anti-drag show, anti-drag queen, brandishing AR-15s. It was only a matter of time before this happened in Colorado Springs. Because words like elections have consequences. When you demonize drag queens, 
when you demonize transgender women, when you demonize the LGBTQ, you encourage crazed men to get an assault weapon and act on your words. No thoughts and prayers. Pass the Respect for Marriage Act today, now. Pass the Respect for Marriage Act now. Today, as I mentioned, is the 59th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. LBJ, Lyndon Johnson, was his vice president. He became president after Kennedy was assassinated. And he used that tragedy to pass the Civil Rights Acts of 64 and 65. Democrats should use the tragedy over the weekend in Colorado Springs to codify same-sex marriage into law, pass the Respect for Marriage Act today. Today. Timothy Michael Dolan is New York City's archbishop. And uh, in the Catholic Church, I have no reason to believe he is a sexually voracious homosexual like his predecessor, Cardinal Francis Joseph Spellman. That's uh, Cardinal Spellman, good friend of J. Edgar Hoover. Anyway, Cardinal Dolan, and I have no reason to believe uh, he's a sexually voracious homosexual like his predecessor, Cardinal Francis Joseph Spellman, who was a sexually voracious homosexual. Anyway, uh, Cardinal Dolan was appointed by Pope Benedict XVI back in 2009. Pope Benedict used to be Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. From 1971 until he was named Pope, Cardinal Ratzinger was the head man in the Catholic Church when it came to handling accusations of sexual abuse. Pope Benedict, still alive, as far back as 1971, was shuffling pedophiles from one parish to the next. In April of 2010, United Nations Judge Jeffrey Robinson, he's the former president of the United Nations War Crimes Court, he called for Pope Benedict to be prosecuted before the International Criminal Court for, quote, crimes against humanity for actively covering up the abuse of children. Now, I like the Catholic Church. I do. I think they are committed to peace. This new pope speaks out constantly against war, climate change, capitalism, greed, and you get a sense that he wants to let priests marry. You also get a sense that he would ordain same-sex marriages, but the institution won't let him. I am a believer in the Catholic Church. I think there's no other organized religion in the world more committed to helping the poor. But Cardinal Timothy Dolan here in New York last week came out against the Respect for Marriage Act. He doesn't want same-sex marriage in America. He doesn't want it passed. In a letter 
Archbishop Dolan said, and I quote, wedding cake bakers, faith-based adoption and foster care providers, religious employers seeking to maintain their faith identity, faith-based housing agencies are all at greater risk of discrimination under this legislation, unquote. He's saying that if you legalize same-sex marriage, codify it into law, then people who run faith-based organizations run the risk of being accused of discrimination. Yes, that would be discrimination, Cardinal. Uh, With all due respect, Cardinal Dolan, same-sex couples getting married isn't your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is unmarried men, uh, especially unmarried men who work for you, molesting altar boys. I'd get your house in order before I'd start worrying about same-sex marriage. A Catholic cardinal passing moral judgment on same-sex marriage is like an Israeli settler in the West Bank passing judgment on how the United States treats Native Americans. Regarding homosexuality and same-sex weddings, Cardinal Dolan, you lost your moral authority decades ago. Stay out of this. Welcome to the mop-up for November 22nd, 2022. I'm David Feldman, coming to you from an air shaft overlooking a parking garage somewhere in Manhattan where the temperature is 49 degrees and sunny. President Kennedy was assassinated 59 years ago. At the end of this, I'm going to link to my interview with comedian Mort Saul, who dedicated a good portion of his life, career, and reputation helping New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison try to prosecute those who killed Kennedy. So stay with me. The link should work at the very end of this. So what do I believe about the Kennedy assassination? I believe conspiracy theories mushroom in the dark. That's what I believe. Lee Harvey Oswald Oswald was never given a trial. He was shot to death mysteriously during that prison transfer. Now, I have my own theories on what happened in Dallas 59 years ago. I'm not quite sure what happened on November 22nd, 1963, but I know what happened after November 22nd. Everyone from the FBI to Bobby Kennedy, President Johnson, the CIA and the Secret Service conspired to withhold information from the American people and each other. When the government conspires not necessarily to kill a president, but to keep the events surrounding that killing secret, then Americans will do their own research and draw their own conclusions. Like I said, where there is darkness, conspiracy theories mushroom. Up until recently, conspiracy theories never rose to the level of deference they now have. These days, entire news organizations are built on conjecture instead of gathering facts. 
When Paul Pelosi was attacked, all you heard on Fox News was what might have happened. Conjecture. Because the imagination is way more entertaining than the truth. A lover's spat between Paul Pelosi and his attacker is way more interesting than a crazed right-winger wandering in off the street. The current Republican Party is fueled by insane conspiracy theories rooted in nothing other than someone's fevered imagination. Transgender women are conspiring to convert your son to become a woman. Black Lives Matter is conspiring to turn our public schools into brainwashing camps where white people are programmed to hate who they are. George Soros is funding caravans of undocumented migrants from Central America to sneak into this country and vote for Democrats. Democrats are conspiring to steal elections in Arizona. Big Pharma and Dr. Fauci are conspiring with Bill Gates to place chips inside COVID vaccines so the government can keep tabs on you. The entire Democratic leadership is run by pedophiles who are grooming young boys and then delivering those young boys as sacrificial lambs before the world bankers for their ritual sacrifice. This is not a joke. I'm not making this up. When you poll Republicans, they believe one or more of what I just said. Now, I used to think Republicans pretended to believe these things, to own us. But they do believe those things. Why? Because newspapers are dying and Republicans lack critical thinking and Internet literacy. They believe the first thing they're told, especially if they want to believe it. Republicans will say they prefer to do their own homework, but they don't know what homework means. What they're leaving out of the homework equation is that uh, that includes schooling. There's school where you do your schoolwork and then you come home and do your homework. In other words, homework is checked by a teacher. Teacher has been taken out of the equation. Going on the internet to study the efficacy of ivermectin isn't homework. It's a suicide mission. You need someone to check your homework. I'm doing my own homework. Well, unless your homework is checked by a teacher, you're killing yourself and us. Now, by the time Kennedy was assassinated... We had the John Birch Society. There were the fringe elements of the conservative party who believed putting fluoride in the water was part of a government mind control experiment. They also believed communists were trying to take over America, corrupt our youth and destroy our way of life. It was never elevated to the level it is now. Maybe the communist stuff was. Uh, I think both parties were consumed by that conspiracy theory that led to tens of millions dead in Indochina. But right now, 
we have a party, the Republican Party, that doesn't read, it doesn't think, and it believes what it's told to believe. Why? Well, I think it goes back to the Kennedy assassination. Some lessons might have been learned. Kennedy was shot in broad daylight, was all out in the open for everyone to see. It had the illusion of transparency. And then we saw Lee Harvey Oswald get shot. We saw the president get shot, and we saw Lee Harvey Oswald get shot. We read about all the witnesses dying mysteriously. It was all happening out in the open, just like the Internet, just like the Trump administration. All the facts were there, but somehow we just couldn't put them together. There was no cohesion. I think the Kennedy assassination taught some of the people in charge, give the American people so much information they won't be able to decipher truth from fact. It works. Nobody can agree on how exactly Jack Kennedy died. All the evidence is there. Too much evidence. Flood the end zone with evidence. Nobody knows where the ball is. And that's what's happening right now in America. Nobody can agree on anything anymore because there's so much evidence. How do you arrive at a truth? Ultimately, I believe good democratic government can arrive at a truth. Good government means courts, trials, congressional hearings, press conferences, where both sides attempt to make their best case. And that's, I think, the only way we can ever get to a truth. The files on the Kennedy assassination have not all been released. We will all be dead when all the evidence is in on the Kennedy assassination. And by then, any attempt at a final judgment will be clouded by time. Before there is a truth, before you know what is right or wrong about something, you need to know right from wrong. And... America, unfortunately, is moving further and further away from knowing right from wrong. Even Nixon knew right from wrong. He knew to resign, not Trump. Let's start with right and wrong. A three-year-old knows right from wrong. And then they get to be adults here in America and they forget right from wrong. Forget what the truth is. Focus on right and wrong. You'll get down to the truth eventually. Once you focus solely on right and wrong, morality, the truth will emerge. If you enjoyed today's show, please like it. Subscribe to this channel and share it with your friends via social media. If you stick around, I may be able to do this probably, there will be a link to my interview with the great Mort Saul discussing the Kennedy assassination that should be coming up next. If it doesn't come up in your feed, just search Mort Saul 
on the David Feldman Show website. I'm David Feldman. Happy Thanksgiving. I'll see you Friday. Remember to stay strong and protect the weak. You're listening to The David Feldman Show. Adoma, scusato. Io, io sono stango, sono beleato. Joining us is Howie Klein. He is the founder and treasurer of the Blue America Pact. They raise money for progressive candidates around the country. He also writes Down With Tyranny. Go read him every day over at Down With Tyranny. Happy Thanksgiving, Howie. Uh, Yes, you too. Thank you. The leadership, is anybody going to challenge Hakeem Jeffries and what is going to happen to the Democratic leadership now that Steny Hoyer, Clyburn, and Pelosi are all not necessarily retiring, but they're certainly stepping down from the leadership. I guess Clyburn is sticking around, but he won't be whip, right? No, he, he'll have some make-believe position. And so they become completely powerless once they leave the leadership. Well, 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 I don't know about completely powerless, but they won't have the power to um, uh, run the agenda or anything like that. You know, the, any kind of power they have will be uh, by dint of their personality and their abilities uh, in legislative matters. Did- I, I, I would I don't think I would think of Pelosi especially as being powerless. I think people have a lot of in the caucus have a lot of respect for her and admiration. And if she wants to get something done, I think she'll have the power to get to get it done. But I know what you mean. And I, I don't think anyone is going to run against this crew. Uh, unfortunately, because it's a, it's a, you know, uh, Catherine Clark aside, the other two are, are, you know, the real scraping of the bottom of the barrel. Uh, I, I, I can't say how absolutely awful they are. And on one level, you know, I guess if you want to, you know, make lemonade out of lemons is they will hasten the, uh, the end of the two party system. I, I, I believe, I mean, that they're that bad, uh, corrupt. Are their middle their middle names? I'm talking about uh, Hakeem Jeffries and um, Pete Aguilar. They're they're just as bad as they could possibly be. I met and, Pete Aguilar. Uh, you had warned me about him. I don't mean to be cruel, so I won't tell you what my immediate impression of him. But not a bright guy. Is that fair to say? What, what is his? Absolutely not a bright guy. He has one thing uh, in his favor. Uh, he he wound up uh, just you know being a Hispanic at a moment when they needed a Hispanic, and when I say they, when I mean the leadership needed a Hispanic because you know identity politics rules, and uh, the Hispanic that they had at the time went off to the Senate, um, and they needed somebody, and they looked around, and there he was. He was just sit- sitting there and you know picking his nose, and they grabbed him and said, "You're the one." Is he a fundraiser? And, uh, I, did, by the way, when you you met him, I didn't realize that was he was he snorting coke. Did he offer you any coke? Did did you offer him any coke? Uh, was there coke involved? No. Has has that been okay. an issue with him? 
he's a complete coke addict. He's he's from what I hear. In fact, he also closes the bars down every night. I I didn't know that, uh, but I was talking with another member of Congress who was telling me. Uh, so I, I I asked him. I said, does, does everyone in the caucus know he's a coke fiend? And he said, no, most of them know, but not everyone knows. And what they do know is that he closes the all, all the staffers know that he's up, uh, you know, till the bars all close and he closes them down and then winds up at nine in the morning, uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed and ready to vote, uh, which is usually an indication of cocaine use. But but many, many years ago, before he was even elected to Congress, that was when I first came in touch with him. And he was, you know, majorly a, a coke freak at the time. Now it's possible that he's changed and he's no longer using coke, and maybe he's using crack. I don't know what he's using. <laughs> he's definitely using something. Is this a Dennis Hastert thing, where somebody like Hakeem Jeffries wants him around, somebody with a dirty, dark past, who's, you know, somebody we can manipulate? Is that partly why he's? Um, I, I I don't know. I think Hakeem wants to run the whole show, and he feels that uh, Aguilar is you know just a puppet. It's different from a a, a hazard delay situation. The hazard delay situation is over on the other side of the aisle, where you have uh, basically uh, Marjorie Trader Green and and the Freedom Caucus completely uh, dominating Kevin McCarthy, who just wants that position. No matter what it's going to cost him, he just wants that position of speaker. And so Aguilar and then there's Clark. Yeah, she, she's OK. She's got a, a decent record and she's you know, she's she's OK. Uh, when she first ran for Congress, there was a much more progressive woman running in the race as well. And Clark beat the more progressive woman in the primary. And, and she's been decent since then. I have no complaints about her. Compare these Democrats to Tip O'Neill, who was the speaker. Mental midgets? Speaker of the House. Mental midgets? Yeah. Mental midgets, mental midgets, mental midgets. And and in terms of moral compass and in terms of being center left, Tip O'Neill was to the left of Jimmy Carter. I mean, he was a Ted Kennedy Democrat this Democratic- yeah, I, I don't remember exactly how how what his moral compass was or how uh, left he was. I'm just not certain. Uh, and in terms of uh, uh, Aguilar, he is a member of the New Dems. When I when I first ran into Aguilar, not in person, but when I started, you know, figuring out who he was, he was he was a, um, a city councilman in Redlands, California, out in the desert. And he was part of uh, Jerry Lewis's posse. Do you remember Jerry Lewis at all? Yes. I don't mean the I don't mean the comedian. Right. I mean the Congress. Yeah. Right. So uh, so it was he ran with Republicans. He didn't decide, from what I can remember, until his second term on the city council, that he was going to be a Democrat. He 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 was kind of like a Republican. Everyone he knew was Republican. I believe he was a Republican, but uh, I have no way to prove that. Uh, but and then a- after his first term. When he was going to run for a second term, that's when he started sort of figuring out that if he wanted to have a career in an area that was turning blue, he should probably be a Democrat. So he he decided to be a Democrat in all ways except voting with Democrats. He's got an F rating from Progressive Punch. And um, so, you know, there's nothing progressive about him. and He hates progressives and progressives hate him. 
anything other than Hunter. And he has no, he has no moral compass. He, he, no one ever got him one. Anything other than Hunter Biden in the next two years. <laughs> well, they want to impeach. Uh, what's his name? That, Mayorkas. Uh, Secretary. Uh, yes, Mayorkas. That's right. And, you know, and they probably want to impeach some other people, too, not to mention uh, Joe Biden. So there'll be that. And just, you know, they're they don't have an agenda. Uh, you know, their agenda is just to uh, tear down the Biden administration and make it easier for whatever Republican winds up running for the presidency to win. That, mm-hmm. That's their agenda. There is no other agenda. And had the Democrats kept the House what would they have done? Would we have seen the minimum wage raised, the PRO Act, uh, Roe Well, the cut? thing with the minimum wage, remember, the House passes the minimum wage without much problem. Right. The last uh, member of the House to vote against the minimum wage was Kurt Schrader of Oregon, and he was defeated in a primary this time. So right. there are, unless some of the new members, and there may be one or two, unless some of the new members are against the minimum wage, the Democrats certainly would have uh, passed it again. The problem with the minimum wage is that is the Senate, you know, where you have a bunch of Democrats who are against the minimum wage, well, against raising the minimum wage. One of them was just reelected, Maggie Hassan, Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire. Uh, so, you know, every time I said something uh, out loud about her being ha- having voted with the Republicans against raising the minimum wage, everyone would say Shh, to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know don't don't say it we want her to win and i kept thinking well i don't want her to win <laughs> why can't i say it right but she did win she only won for one reason the um th- there's there was a guy i think he was the i don't know the, either the speaker i think he was a speaker of the uh new hampshire house a republican named morse and the establishment wanted to run him against her and then trump and the Magafee people came in with this psychopath named uh, Don Bolduck. And the general. Bolduck beat him in the primary. Yes, the general. That's exactly who he is. And the uh, the nut beat Morse in the primary. And that was the luckiest thing that ever happened. Well, it wasn't just lucky because the Democrats manipulated uh, that the Republican primary. And But it was the luckiest thing that could have happened to Has- uh, Hassan, who couldn't have won. She's very unpopular. She's never won by more than a couple of votes uh, anyway uh, in her previous races. And she's just terrible. I mean, she's certainly, uh, you know, she's a Republican light. She's, she's not quite as bad as, as um, Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin, but that's where she, that's where she lies. She's with them. And, uh, you know, there's no reason why any Democrat would want to vote for her except, you know, to, to because of the, She's judged as the lesser of two evils. And in, in Bolduc's case, there was no question that she was the lesser of two evils. Right. Still horrible, but not as bad as him. Right. You have a piece over Down with Tyranny entitled Only 23 Seats Flip This Cycle. 16 from blue to red and six from red to blue. We have a frozen Congress. You're, you're saying that 23 seats went either from blue to red or red to blue. That's it? Of, well, it depends how you count it. I count it 23. Uh, one of the other uh, political organizations counts it as 26. But some of the seats that they're counting are new are new districts that were just created. So I don't know how you could say that it flipped. Uh, you so, know, so there are four. There, are, there were 435 
congressional races. And at least 23, maybe 30 kind of flipped. What does that tell you about? No, not, not 30. There's, there's no one counts it to be 30. It's either 23, 24, 25, or 26, depending on what, if you want to count the new, the new seats or not. I mean, it doesn't make you, how do you say a new seat flipped? It, it, right. It's too, it's too weird. Okay. It, it, so let's, let's count it as 23. So 23 flipped. Of all. And, and, and you say, what, is, what does that mean? So there are very, very few districts that are, uh, you know, what we call swing districts, where there's an equal number of Democrats and Republicans, say. They, 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 and, you know, there would be a lot more except for the, you know, gerrymandering, which makes sure that doesn't happen. So, you know, that's why there are no real races. It's why you get so, you know, just everything is concentrated. You know, how many I'm going to give you a question. I want you to just, you know, just guess. Don't don't try to. It doesn't matter if you get it right or, or wrong. You'll get it wrong anyway. How many um, people voted in the in the midterms? How many people voted for Republicans and how many people voted for Democrats? I think Repu so first Repu Republicans. How many people voted? Republicans won the popular vote by, I think, 5 million. Exactly. 53 million to 50 million. So the Republicans won by just over 3 million. But the problem for them was that the Democrats were very, very targeted in where they were looking for votes. The Republicans were scattershot. So, you know, the reason that their number is so high is because everyone in Alabama voted for them. It doesn't matter. I mean, who right. cares what people vote for in Alabama? It doesn't make a difference if 51% or 91%. You know, and so that's where they got all that extra 3 million in places like Alabama and Mississippi and Wyoming and the Dakotas. You know, yeah, who cares? Whereas the Democrats were like very, very targeted in going after very specific uh, states and very, very specific districts. And although they didn't uh, they didn't get as many votes overall as the Republicans did, they they won in a lot of places where the Republicans weren't expecting them expecting them to win. You beat the uh, Cook report. I, I saw Amy Walter from the. Yeah, Cook. I, I did. I did. I beat them. You you destroyed them. You out. I don't I'm not saying I destroyed them, but I, I, I you know, I, like I said, there are three seats that are un, uh, that are, haven't been determined yet. Um, and so I'll, as soon as they are, which I expect will happen this week, I will then, you know, give you the final breakdown of how many they got right and how many I got right. Remember, though, most of the seats we both we agreed on. It's just where we didn't agree. That's where I beat them. When you're looking at the internals and seeing who's vulnerable and who's not, you're coming from a pure heart. Victory. Is the Cook report... Are the uh, Patrick Maloney? Yeah, yeah they are. Is Maloney? Yeah, they're no, no, they're, no. They're coming from a pure heart too. Patrick, they want to get it right. They do want to get it right. The the cook, the, yes, the cook people want to get it right. They would never, uh, you know, do any monkey business. They really want to get it right. I mean, they don't want some jerk like me ballyhooing around how they got it wrong. They and, want to get it right. And the head of the DCCC, Patrick Maloney, he does not have a pure heart. If you sat down no. with him, all things being equal, you would be able to pinpoint which of the before the election, which something like you'd be able to tell him. There are about 40 seats in play here. This is where you could put your money. 
you would do better. I did. I did. I, I very much did that already. I, I, I'm not 40, but I called them out when they they abandoned they abandoned uh, Jamie in um, in uh, in Oregon because they you know that she beat one of them. She beat uh, Kurt Schrader, who I mentioned before, and they they were you know they weren't they didn't get into her. They didn't like her. You know she's too progressive for the DCCC. She's a lesbian. She's uh, you know beat their friend. So they, you know, they abandoned the seat. They would have won that seat. She only lost it by a, a little over a point. And uh, so that was one. And I kept yelling about that. Another one was in, in South Texas. There were three seats in South Texas that were up for grabs. And uh, the progressive Democrat was winning in the 15th district. And they just totally like cut the uh, t- cut her legs off. And instead, they put all their money into the two blue dogs on uh, who were running in South Texas, the two blue dogs wound up winning and she wound up, you know, losing, uh, that I would totally say that that was about Sean Patrick Maloney. So yeah, you know, when, when I catch them doing that kind of thing, I do talk about it on my blog and I, have been by the way, for uh, since 2006. Trump picked winners before he endorsed them. He was looking to put some numbers on the board but he did okay. How did Bernie do? Did he endorse winners? Well, it's a it's a very very different thing. Trump literally picks people who can't lose. He picks you know he picks in races with his only one candidate running with no opposition. He, right. I mean, Trump does things like that. Whereas you know Bernie, when you talk about a pure heart, Bernie's just trying to uh, get. Uh, you know, good, solid uh, progressives to win like that, that seat I was just talking about in Texas 15, as well as in, in the Oregon seat that I was t- talking about. Bernie isn't looking to, uh, you know, to run up a score. Bernie is looking to help candidates win. Right. Uh, so I, I, I didn't check out how many wins and how many losses he had. I know that he put a lot of effort, for example, into Summer Lee, which the Democratic Party ignored and she won. He put a lot of effort into uh, who else was he? he? He worked for a number of candidates who the Democratic Party pretty much ignored, uh, and, and he was very helpful to them. And 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 you know, I mean, some of them were, were fairly easy wins, like in Austin, Texas. Uh, uh, Greg, um, what's his name? Uh, Greg Kassar. I mean, the Democratic Party didn't have to do anything because Greg was so well known already in that very blue district that he was going to win anyway. But Bernie, you know, went to Austin and campaigned for him and got excitement going. And that doesn't just help Greg, who who he was there to help, but also people up and down the ticket. It certainly, you know, could help, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Beto O'Rourke, who's running for governor. It could help people who are running for city council. I mean, the whole idea is, is Bernie goes to these places, does these big public rallies and brings people out. So, and, and I'm happy to say that Greg Kassar, who blew America, was the first non-Texas organization to endorse, won a massive victory. You have another article that just came out entitled Rooting for Trump to Win the GOP 2024 Primary, a Progressive Case. Why? Right. So first of all, I have to make it clear so that nobody gets confused. I'm not advocating helping Trump. I'm rooting, like rooting, like when you root for your favorite team, you mm-hmm. root for them. You don't throw money on the field. You don't, uh, you know, try to disable the other, the other, which candidates. is what the Democrats, <laughs> the Democrats did do that. They did. And they were very successful by the way, in, in, in their races, they didn't win every one of them. They, they, 
by any any stretch of the imagination, but they won most of them. They did very well. And I was just mentioning before when we were talking about New Hampshire, they, they did it in three races. They did it in the Maggie Hassan race, where she wouldn't have won if they if they had a nom- if they had nominated Morse, she would have lost. How do I know that? Because Morse, I don't know it for sure, of course, but Morse is just like Chris Sununo, the governor, and he won a massive landslide. So, you know, she wasn't going to have an easy time of it running against a mainstream conservative. She had an easy time of it running against a neo-Nazi, the general, as you call him. Uh, you know, but if he wouldn't have been the nominee, she could have lost that seat. So the Democrats did well to push him. Right. Uh, they also pushed two psychopaths who were running for the two congressional seats. One who was running against Chris Pappas, who was really very, very vulnerable. And they came up with some lunatic uh, and they pushed her. Uh, Carolyn uh, Levitt is her name. And then the same thing in um, uh, against uh, Ann uh, Custer. Uh, they made sure that a nutcase uh, won that won in the won that Republican primary as well. They helped that nutcase to win. So right. so yeah. So that that has that they was pretty success, successful doing that. I am totally not advocating that anyone do that to help Trump. My belief, though, is that Trump will be the easiest Republican to defeat. But that I, am I willing to like bet on that and with real money? No, I'm not. I would not bet on that. I would never uh, try to uh, make that happen. Let let that let let's leave that up to God. You think DeSantis would be a tough race? For- I think DeSantis will be anyone would be tougher than Trump. Trump is pretty hated by uh, the American people. Uh, they know who he is now. Uh, any t- anyone who runs against him, it's going to be definitely they'll be the lesser evil. You know, I mean, it's conceivable that Trump could be Kamala Harris. It's conceivable even that he could beat uh, uh, what's his name, Mayo Pete. But unless the Democrats really, really just get a walking sack of garbage like Kamala or Pete, uh, I think that anyone would beat Trump. Biden just turned 80 this week. His grand. Really? I thought he was like 180. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're right, 180. Yes. Oh, his, okay. His granddaughter got married at the White House. Uh, and this was her eighth marriage. She's she's in her 70s. Oh no, I, a granddaughter. Yes, yes, yes. His granddaughter yes. is in her 70s. Right? Uh, you're right. You're right. Yes. Uh, and probably the best weekend he's got left, I would assume. The next two oh, I years. hope he has a lot of great weekends. I don't think he's going to have too many good weekends. I think they're coming after his family now. Will he be? They are. Will he be? Is that good for him? In terms it might of- be. I don't think the American people are going to be too anxious. <laughs> I mean, I saw a poll today that was done for Politico by uh, Morning Consult. Uh, although most Republicans are very happy about uh, about uh, the uh House Republicans going after his family. No one else is. Independents are like mortified at the idea. And just to say Democrats aren't too excited about it either. So, yeah, I think I mean, it's not going to be pleasant for him and and for his family. But I think it's a it's a net win for the uh, uh, for the Democrats that the Republicans do this. The bench, if you had it's important for us, by the the way, before we move to another subject. Uh, you know, which Democrat is going to lead the um, lead the defense on the House Oversight Committee? And 
you know, there are like two kind of garden variety Democrats, uh, Jerry Connolly, he's a garden variety Democrat. And then Stephen Lynch, who's like sort of less than a garden variety Democrat. He's just someone who keeps saying, I've been on this committee longer than everybody else in the world. And I deserve this. And he has nothing to offer at all. Uh, and then probably the best Democrat in the entire House is on that committee, uh, Jamie Raskin. And he wants to he wants to be the chair. Or it wouldn't be the chair. It would be the uh, the ranking member of the oversight committee. And he would be the one that would lead the Democratic efforts against uh, Comer, the, uh, the top Republican on the committee. So, you know, I mean, if the Democrats let one of the other two who, you know, they can't do it. I mean, Jamie is the most brilliant mind in the whole Democratic caucus. I mean, why not go with the best? They all know he's the best also. It's not like they don't know. Everyone knows. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's see what happens. Knowing the Democratic Party, they'll pick one of the others. Right. Former Nader's Raider, Jamie Raskin. Did I read that McCarthy said when he becomes speaker, he's going to kick Elon Omar off the House foreign relations? He actually, he, he, went, he went further. First of all, just I'll give away the story. He can't kick anybody off anything. That's what I, I mean, was going to ask you. A, I was just going to ask he you. He can call a vote. He can call a vote. Uh, but I don't think he's going he, to, I don't think he's going to have the votes to, to do it. You know, when the Democrats kicked uh, Marjorie Trader Greene off her committees, there were, you know, every single Democrat and 11 Republicans voted to kick her off the committees. Uh, other Republicans just didn't vote. But in, in this case, he's saying that he's going to kick Adam Schiff, who's the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, off the Intelligence Committee, and that he's going to uh, kick uh, Eric Swalwell off whatever committee he's on, and he's going to kick Ilhan off her foreign, well, actually both of her committees, so not just foreign uh, affairs. And he doesn't have he I don't know that he doesn't know this. I mean, I don't know that he knows it, but he can't kick anyone off anything. Is this part of the deal he's made with the Freedom Caucus to say these things? To yes, make these, it is. Yes. Yes. This is uh, how I, I absolutely believe that. And that's what I've heard as well. I have a moral question for you. Oh, I'm did, good at that. Did you approve of the way the major networks covered Donald Trump's? declaration last week a lot of them you know they they broke away they barely covered it it was hard to find and what do we do once marjorie trader green is back in some committee do we do we pay attention to her histrionics or do we ignore them yes oh i i would absolutely pay all the attention i pay as much attention as i can to her she's the democrat's secret weapon in that she exposes the Republican id as well as their super ego and ego. I mean, she is, is she representative of what the, what the Republicans really are? So we have to read. Let's put it like this. Adam Kinzinger says that most of the Republicans cringe when she gets on uh, in front of a TV camera. They just, you know, they're horrified by it. Now they don't all say that some of them say it, but they don't all say it. Adam, Kinzinger says it all the time. But, uh, you know, they, they don't want her representing the party. So the more that we can put her in, you know, up front as the representative of the party, I think the better we are. Well, then did we make a mistake? Weren't we doing that with Trump in some way? I know he got eyeballs and ratings and he was exciting, 
But wasn't part of the thinking behind that in 2016? Yes, it, it's true. You're right. Uh, and that's the that's the flaw in that argument. But remember, with Trump, it also had to do with the fact that uh, people thought of thought of it as a, uh, you know, an extension of The Apprentice. And, you know, you know it, and it's a different kind of thing than with her. I mean, with her, it's an extension of like when she was like luring uh, customers to her gym by uh, performing fellatio on them. Mm. So Trump, I hate to bring him up. You saw the announcement. <laughs> I'm saving him I'm for last. I'm saving him for last. Okay. You, you saw the announcement. He's indefatigable. Well, I watched as much of it as I could. It was so boring that I, I and, and not just in terms of substance, but in terms of delivery, it was so boring. I couldn't keep watching it. I had better things to do with my time. Is it? Is it conceivable that he's running out of steam, just personally, that the energy? I think so. Yeah. And what does that mean? He's, that he's getting healthy mentally, that he's calming down, or he's just an old no, man? No, 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 no. I think he's, yeah, he's a tired old man. He doesn't have anything to say. Uh, you know, I think that the role that Ivanka and Jared were playing is gone and there's no one to replace it. That he's got like, you know, a bunch of psychopaths giving, telling him what to do. So I, I don't, I, I don't think he's, uh, and he's, you know, he's not all there anymore. I mean, you, you read these crazy, insane, I, I know they don't call them tweets. What do they call them on his thing? Truth. Truth or yes. Yeah. 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 Is, you know, pathetic. Just pathetic. And is Twitter going to be there? A month from now. I think it will be. I don't think it can go away. I think it's almost a utility that they can't. Uh -huh. What do you, you, the talk of it going Yeah, away. I agree. I don't see it going away. Yeah. Is you it know, more? I'm happy to see uh, Mastodon growing uh, and growing and growing, and that's good. But uh, yeah, I think Twitter will be there. You know, and I, I think that uh, Elon Musk is, is going to offend more and more people. There are people leaving. There's no question about that. But um, I don't know. If, I don't know if it'll matter. I, I don't know if they'll come back uh, eventually. Is it more? But, you know, I, is I, it more fun? Uh, to me, it's a little more fun because I, I view Elon as the boss, and everybody, at least in my groups, hates him. So we're shitting on the owner. <laughs> it, it does. It does feel like there's a new energy there. Granted, he's yeah. But remember, at any any moment, uh, you can suddenly be uh, you know kicked off or suspended. I mean, he's not doing that yet. I don't think he's, he may be, but uh, but he can do it. I mean, how would it be fun if suddenly, like, you got a note saying that you're uh, suspended for two weeks because I insulted mein Führer? Yeah, yeah. Howie Klein, founder, treasurer, Blue America Pack. Uh, who are you raising money yet for anybody? Well, sure. We're we're trying to raise some money for uh, Warnock, uh, so that oh, you can, right, you know, turn out the voters. A vote for Warnock is a vote against Mansion. It's amazing, right? It's and cinema, right? Too bad we now, you know, now, but we don't have the house. So read Howie over it down with tyranny. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week. You too. Week. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Are you going to spend the time with your children? I am go. I think I'm going to be spending it with Ethan and Dr. Hershenfeld. That's what I think I'm doing. That's going to be okay. Yeah, and then on Saturday, I'll see my family.
I don't Great. want to go into. We'll have a, I, don't, I don't want to get into specifics. Uh, okay, we'll have a good time. You too. I love you, buddy. Thank you. I'll talk to you Monday. All right. Thank Take you. Care. Bye. Bye. Howie Klein from Down with Tyranny. Subscribe to his blog. Go to Down with Tyranny and follow him on Mastodon and Twitter. And if you enjoyed this conversation. Please like it and subscribe. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak.